Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Thursday, July 8th. Frank Sample joined by Chris Towers, who is apparently a big fan of jorts. I saw you walk across the room there before we got started, Chris. Uh, I didn't know you were a big jorts guy. Yeah, over the last two summers, I've, I've just decided um, I need more shorts and I don't necessarily want to buy new shorts. And I live in Brooklyn, so might as well just take a pair of jeans that I don't really wear all that often and slice the slice the legs off. So, you know, I, I get I get real Brooklyn in them sometimes, you know, I'll throw on like a tank top, wear my jorts around. So it's a good look. I love that you prefaced all that with I live in Brooklyn. So you kind of had to let everyone know, like, yeah, I'm a little hip stir. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a an obnoxious hipster for sure. I live in Williamsburg. No, yeah, Frank. yeah. You don't really have a choice. So <laughs> you asked for it, Chris. Uh, I've done that quite a bit as well. Turn some shorts into uh, turn some jeans into shorts. Why not? The problem is the winter comes and you got no legs on your jeans and <laughs> then you're screwed. You strike me as a guy who just wears shorts like all year round. Uh, I have become one of the guys who like when it's 58 degrees outside, there was definitely one day like in March where it got up to like 59 degrees and it was my day off. I'm off on Fridays and I decided to just go for a long bike ride and was riding around, went to a bar over in Greenpoint and Everybody else, like I still saw people with jackets and like a couple of scarves and I'm out in like t-shirts and shorts. And I was like, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm getting a little too overzealous, but like it was the first time I could conceivably wear shorts all year. And I was getting I was getting awfully pale. So I, I looked at an old video, an old an old one of our shows, and I was so pale. So I, I had to get uh, get my tan on a little bit, too. Well, at least you don't look like a, a dancing lobster like I do. <laughs> Today on the podcast, we're going to do some fill in the blank. Would you rather I have a buy high outfielder, some of your Apple podcast review and email questions and more. But let's start by recapping some of Wednesday's action. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. All right, Chris, where would you like to start? Oh, my goodness gracious. A standout from Wednesday. Oh, boy. If, if, you first. Yeah, I was going to say. I want to know where you go because I, I was I, I was up, up to stuff before the show. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. I usually ask you beforehand. I didn't do it today. So bad host, Frank. Actually, you know what? Sonny Gray. All right. Let's How about talk about that? him. There was interesting detail out of that start. He went seven innings, two earned runs, seven hits, seven strikeouts, two walks. Interesting uh, detail that I saw from this game. It doesn't really matter, but... Um, you know, just to show that despite my surprise at the question you ask us every day, I did prepare for the show. Sonny Gray apparently 
in the middle of his start, went to the locker room, took off all his clothes, changed them, except for his cleats, went back and I believe retired every batter he faced over the final three innings of the outing, including striking out the side in the seventh. So there you go. Sonny Gray did not like his clothes, explains why he wasn't great to start and uh, came back and he's been really good in two starts since coming back from the IL 16 swinging strikes today on uh, 99 pitches. Velocity hasn't quite been what it was before the IL. And, you know, there's been some swing rate stuff with him as well, but uh, at least three swinging strikes on every single one of his pitches, except for the four seam fastball. He was throwing the slider curve and change pretty regularly tonight. And um, I don't know. I know we've been skeptical about him, but he's been pretty good this season when he's been healthy. Yeah, he has. And uh, you're right. We kind of haven't given Sonny Gray the respect that he deserves. And if you span things back over his last five starts, he only has five walks during that span. And when Mm -hmm. Sonny Gray gets in trouble, it's with the control or lack of control. So the fact that, you know, he's been much better in that department, five walks over his last five starts for Sonny Gray, uh, definitely a step in the right direction here. This was a great start. He actually has his lowest walk rate now since 2017. So how about that? 8.9%. Last year it was 11.1. He has his highest strikeout rate ever and his lowest walk rate of the last four years. He's got a 353 XERA to go with the 327 ERA. So I don't know. It's been pretty good. You know, you'd like to see more innings, but other than that, pretty good. Yeah, I do. I was done after (laughs) that. I just, it sounded like I had more to say. I'm I'm sorry. Admittedly, I'm awful at that. Like knowing when you guys are done with your sentence, I am... Very bad. I listen back to every podcast after I edit it, and I'm just like, why don't I just start talking after they stop talking? And half the time, I just don't know if you guys are done talking. But uh, yeah, Sonny Gray, he's been very good. I think we should probably, I got him at SP42. I think I've got to move him up the ranks quite a bit there. I think I can get him up to SP34, just behind Ryu, Max Freed, Ian Anderson. That seems like a good range for Sonny Gray. Oh my goodness gracious for me. I want to talk about Chris Paddock. And specifically, I'll talk about Chris Paddock and Eduardo Rodriguez because they have great underlying numbers. And maybe you know more about this than I do, Chris, because I just can't figure it out for the life of me. The fact that they have ERAs over five, but their underlying numbers are much better. I mean, we're talking about like XFIP, Sierra in the mid three, something like that. So we'll try and figure it out. But Chris Paddock, just an awful start. I was watching it up against the Nationals, two innings, nine hits, Nine runs, eight of those were earned. Doesn't really matter anyway. Seven hard hit balls. He's now failed to complete three innings in two of his last three starts. Chris Paddock has 5.40 ERA. He had nothing, nothing in this start. No command, any of his pitches, fastball, changeup, curveball, which his curveball, he's been throwing it more recently, which it seems like it's kind of been helping the underlying numbers, but overall... It's just, it's been a mess for Chris Paddock. And then Eduardo Rodriguez, if you want to throw him kind of in the same conversation, uh, five innings, nine hits, four runs against the Angels, still had 15 swinging strikes. His ERA is at 5.52. His XFIP is 3.38 for Eduardo Rodriguez. So why? why? Why is this happening, Chris, where surface numbers for both of these guys are awful? The underlying numbers are still very good. Yeah, I mean, with Paddock... Like the FIP is 378, the XFIP is 362. So, you know, like that's certainly better than what his ERA is. Uh, but his expected ERA is now it's up to, sorry. It's over four. Yeah, it's over. Well, it was over four coming into this start. 
which is, you know, it's 4-1-2. So that's not particularly good. Um, you know, he is actually throwing the curveball a lot more lately. Like you said, it's been around 10% in a bunch of his recent starts. The problem is uh, the changeup and the fastball have been pretty mediocre. The curveball's actually been great for him. He has a 174x Woba, 164 Woba, 50% whiff rate. That Those are excellent numbers for a guy who didn't have that third pitch. And we always thought if he could get that third pitch, he was going to take a huge step forward. And the changeup, you know, it hasn't been a bad pitch, but like the whiff rate is 31.8%. That's fine. The ex-Woba allowed is 311. Again, that's fine, but they're not, you know, that's not what we've come to uh, expect from this pitch, especially when it comes to the contact suppression. And I don't know. I don't know where I'm at on Paddock right now. I, I think I'm still pretty pessimistic. Um, just because, I don't know, he just feels like kind of an average strikeout guy, an average quality of contact guy. It just, the whole package just kind of seems fine to me. Average. And <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, the control is very good, but, you know, overall, you, you look at, a, you put it all together and it's just like, I don't know what he does that's special anymore. And that's a difficult thing to... um that's a difficult thing to get around. What if I told you before this start for Chris Paddock, his last five starts, he had a 2.58 XFIP during that span, 11.3 K per nine, 1.7 walks per nine, and a 14% swinging strike rate. You would think that's that's a pretty good pitcher, albeit a small sample size, five starts, but yeah, we're, we're kind of grasping at anything here to, to figure out, you know, where is Chris Paddock? What is going on with him? So, does this five-star stretch before this matter, these numbers? Yeah. Um, gosh, it's hard to say. Like I said, at this point, I'm pretty pessimistic. Yeah. Um, you know, especially because the two starts before this one, the strikeout rate had been much lower, below 20% in both starts. So it just... Uh, he had like that flash where it was like two starts against the Mets where he struck out a bunch of guys, the one start against Cincinnati... But for the most part, the strikeouts just haven't been there all season. Um, I, I I wish I had answers. I wish I could tell you with a strong degree of certainty one way or the other about Paddock. But you know, if I'm being honest, it's mostly just if I had to guess, I think he's just going to be an average pitcher moving forward. Yeah, which is probably something in the high threes, low fours ERA kind of range. I think yeah. for both of these guys, like they're obviously not must-star pitchers anymore keep them on your bench, maybe play them in the right matchups. But uh, we do have some fill in the blanks later on, Chris. How about this one? Chris Paddock can be dropped in blank leagues. What size 10, leagues? 10-team 10, 10 points leagues. 10-team points leagues. I think he definitely can be. But not 12 teams you're going to hold on to Chris Paddock for now. I probably would. And I'll be honest, you know, you're grouping Paddock and, and Rodriguez together, and I get it. I still have a lot more confidence in Rodriguez. He actually has his best XERA. Of his career. He has still very good quality of contact numbers. He's really not getting hit very hard. Lowest walk rate of his career. Highest strikeout rate of his career. You put it all together and somehow the the sum is less than the parts, but the parts are all individually so good and there's nothing really alarming for Eduardo Rodriguez that, you know, I have to imagine. I'm, I'm not looking at 
fan graphs, but I have to imagine his his BABIP is very high given everything else. Um, yeah, 361. Like that's he's a 305 BABIP guy for his career. He's not someone who has typically struggled in that regard. Home runs have been a little bit of an issue, but he should be much better than he has been. And I feel more confident that he will be than Paddock, partially because he's also just pitching more. Mm. You know? Yeah, no, two, I think two of the more frustrating starting pitchers this season between Paddock <laughs> and Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, definitely don't mind keeping them on the bench for now. Before we hit news and notes, we are finalists for the sports category of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate all you guys do for us and hope you enjoy our show enough to nominate us to advance to the final round. To nominate Fantasy Baseball today, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and then toggle down the sports category. We've included the link in the episode description as well. And just a reminder that our live YouTube Q&A stream is back this Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And Chris, you don't know this yet, but Scott is still on vacation, so going to need you for the whole hour there, bud, from 7 to 8 p.m. We will act as your pregame appetizer to the Home Run Derby, which has officially been filled out. Shohei Otani, Pete Alonso, Joey Gallo, Juan Soto, Trevor Story, Matt Olson, Trey Mancini, and Salvador Perez. And also within that live stream, we're going to have ourselves a little bit of a derby draft, Chris. So we'll draft four players each. Uh, we'll figure out who gets the first pick somehow. Uh, but yeah, four hitters each. Whoever, I guess, we could do most home runs between the two of us or whoever has the winner. We'll figure it out. We'll come up with like some kind of fun wager. Uh, six pack or, or a beer. You owe me a beer. I owe you a beer, something like that. Anyway, drop a comment on this YouTube video with who you think is going to win the home run derby. I'm not talking to you, Chris. I'm talking to everyone else that's like watching or listening. Drop a comment on this video who you think is going to win the home run derby. And your Twitter handle, one person who picks the winner will receive a free one-year subscription to Sportsline, our gambling and DFS service. Look, Chris is wearing the Sportsline shirt. I didn't even tell him to do that. That is a $100 value. Don't miss out. Just leave a comment. You mentioned you have thoughts, Chris? I've got thoughts. Maybe we can save them for another time, but I've got thoughts on the Home Run Derby and uh, what kind of player is going to benefit from the thin air and course field. And I'm not going to go. I don't think I'm going to pick the favorites in this one. Mm. I'm not sure yet, but I, I think I want to go with like a, a, a wild card here. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some course field research myself, but yeah. I am wearing it. It's te- not based on any research, by the way. <laughs> I am wearing a Texas Rangers hat myself, so that might give you a little bit of an inkling of where I'm leaning at this point. So He's a pretty good pick. <laughs> news and notes from Wednesday. Clayton Kershaw, out of nowhere, huge blow here, was placed in the IL with a left forearm, with left forearm inflammation. And Kershaw currently has a 3.39 ERA, 0.98 whip, career high 16.3% swinging strike rate. There is no timetable for Clayton Kershaw's return at this time. And this, I think, all but ensures David Price will be stretched out for the rotation between this injury, obviously everything that's going on with Trevor Bauer. David Price is 21% rostered, Chris. Any league size that you're looking to add, David Price, if this actually happens? Yeah, I mean, before the season, you know, he was someone who I liked quite a bit before we knew he was going to be in the bullpen because his 428 ERA in 2019, it doesn't tell quite the whole story of how good he was because he had that wrist issue, um, you know, right at the end of his run. But before his last 
you know, four starts, he had a 316 ERA with a bunch of strikeouts and he was pitching consistently deep into games. That was that was a really weird season for David Price because he like got thrown out of a couple of games for throwing at people. And I don't know, it was it was strange, but he was pitching really well before then. And his numbers this season, albeit in a bullpen role, have been quite good despite a very, very high Babbitt. So I do still think he can be effective. I don't know if he's going to be a must start guy, but if you need a Kershaw replacement and that, you know, Gilbert Thompson, Joe Ross group, you know, I think he's right there with those guys, maybe a little more reliable. Yeah. I think I would still rank him behind those guys, but uh, you know, if he pitches the way that he's pitched this year, 3.58 ERA, all of the underlying numbers are basically right in line with that. The ERA indicators, a 1.66 whip for David Price, 402 BABIP, 12 hits per nine. The guy's just been super lucky in terms of uh, <laughs> batting average on balls in play this year. Getting a lot unlucky. of ground balls. Yeah, unlucky. That, that's yeah. that's what I'm looking for. Uh, but yeah, I'd be interested in David Price in any deeper leagues where those players, those pitchers we mentioned are already rostered. Vidal Brujan's first career plate appearance resulted in an RBI single, a stolen base, and a run scored. So basically flashing everything that you should uh, be excited about for Vidal Brujan in his first plate appearance. He did just finish one for six across the doubleheader against Cleveland. He started at second base in the first game, right field in the second game. He was sent down after the games, but don't be alarmed. Brujan is expected back on Friday. Chris, you were not on the podcast yesterday when we talked about Brujan getting called up. Anything that you would like to add on him? He should be good when he gets the call. Obviously, we know this hasn't been a great season for rookies and you know, a lot of high-profile guys have struggled. Maybe he'll be uh, the next one. But if he is back up within the next couple of days, I, I think you kind of have to add him because the skill set figures to be so valuable for uh, for fantasy purposes that, yeah, I would uh, I would definitely hang on to him. Scott made the comp, the high-end comp of Whit Merrifield, which I actually think is pretty good. A little bit of pop. Good batting average, a lot of speed, 80-grade speed. Vidal Brujan, 50% rostered, should be rostered in all categories leagues at this point. 12-team, head-to-head categories, Roto. Head-to-head points, I don't think you have to rush out and get him, but definitely in any categories league where you need speed. Shohei Otani went 2-for-4 with his 32nd home run of the year. That's 32 before the All-Star break. Now has the most home run... Home runs in a season by a Japanese-born player passing Hideki Matsui, which Amazing. Matsui had 31 in a full season. <laughs> Shohei Otani well, has- did you see the other stat about Shohei Otani? He's the first player in Major League history with 32 homers and 12-plus stolen bases before the All-Star break, which, you know, a bit of uh, arbitrary endpoints there, but that's still pretty impressive. Wow. No, I, yeah. I did not see that stat. Another one that I saw is this is the most home runs before the All-Star break since Chris Davis. Chris Davis with a C. Um, I think he had 37 back in 2013 with the Baltimore Orioles. So, nice, uh, some awesome stats there for Shohei Otani. Ozzie Albies exited as a precaution with neck tightness. Please be okay. I have you in a few leagues where you have been awesome. Chris Bryant left with hamstring tightness and since the start of June, the guy has just been completely lost. So, hopefully the the All-Star break can, can help get Chris Bryant back on track. Steven Strasburg took part in a heavy workout on Tuesday, one day after throwing 60 pitches in a bullpen session, and Nationals manager Dave Martinez said he was, quote, getting close to a rehab assignment. I would be pleasantly surprised to get anything from Steven Strasburg this season, but 
Sounds like maybe the All-Star break soon thereafter could get him back in the Nationals rotation. The Red Sox pitching coach Dave Bush said that Chris Sale won't be active activated from the 60-day IL until he stretched out to throw five to six innings. So, sounds like he could yeah. go on a rehab assignment. You know, maybe he starts... This weekend. Yeah, this I weekend. He yeah. could be with the Woo Sox. The Woo Sox. But, yeah, I would I would expect he's going to get something close to that. Uh, I think it's 30-day minimum or 30-day maximum uh, that pitchers can get on their rehab. I, I would guess it's going to be something close to that. Yeah, I think it's probably four to five starts, something like that for Chris Sale. I think that makes sense for him on his rehab assignment. Eddie Rosario did indeed land on the IL with that abdominal strain. Daniel Johnson started in Cleveland's outfield at AAA this season. He had nine homers and six steals, albeit with a 218 batting average. So some power and speed, very low batting average for Daniel Johnson. Jose Arquiti said Wednesday he'll remain shut down from throwing for at least two weeks. He's on the IL with shoulder discomfort. Yasmani Grandal had successful surgery and is expected to return later this season for the White Sox. Remember Julian Merriweather on the Blue Jays. Yeah, that guy. He got their first couple of saves. He actually looked awesome. Well, he had another setback and with his left oblique strain. So we're not going to see him anytime soon. It's been a long time anyway. Domingo Herman was scratched from Wednesday's start after he underwent an emergency root canal. Ouch. Glaber Torres was back in the lineup for the Yankees. Carlos Martinez went to the IL with a torn ligament in his right thumb. Jake Arrieta Ooh. to the IL with right hamstring tightness. Michael Franco to the IL with right ankle soreness. Daz Cameron to the IL with that right toe sprain and Trevor Rosenthal will undergo surgery next week to report report repair. It would be nice if I knew how to read uh, a torn labrum in his right hip and will miss the rest of the 2021 season. Lou Trevino's job is safe for now. A few players that were not in the lineup because of various injuries, Javier Baez, Tyler O'Neill, Odubel Herrera and Josh Donaldson fill in the blank. Let's have some fun. Corbin Burns. He was at the Mets on Wednesday, five and two-thirds, one run, eight strikeouts. He only had 10 swinging strikes, so that now makes four straight starts where Corbin Burns has had 12 swinging strikes or less. He does have a 2.61 ERA during that stretch, uh, but his first 11 starts, Corbin Burns had an 18% swinging strike rate, so quite a bit of a disparity there. Chris, fill in the blank. I would trade Corbin Burns for blank hitter. This is a purpose of not very much, but I still found it very interesting. Corbin Burns uh, has underperformed his expected ERA this season by nearly three quarters of a run. Isn't that amazing? That underperformed. Under so what is he has a one sixty nine expected ERA this season? Wow, <laughs> that's wild. One seventy six after today's start. Excuse me. That is <laughs> uh, wild. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he's still really, really doing a great job of limiting hard contact. He's still doing a really, really good job of, you know, relatively speaking, especially to where he used to be, of not giving up walks. So I I still think he's a really, really valuable fantasy option. I've got him right behind Whit Merrifield and Rafael Devers. I mean, if I could get those guys for him, I would do it. But otherwise, you know, he's in the J.D. Martinez, Francisco Lindor, Kyle Tucker range. And I think I'd rather have him than those guys. The first name that came to mind to me for some reason was Aaron Judge. And I think Judge is probably in a similar range as all of those hitters. Yeah. So 
I mean, Jordan Alvarez is fun right now, but he's been awesome, so I don't know if you're going to be able to, to make that happen, but I think it's a fair trade. I think Burns for Jordan Alvarez makes a lot of sense there as well. And uh, yeah, Burns remains in my top 10 starting pitchers. He's ninth for me. He's ninth for Scott. One spot behind Garrett Cole. Who knows? Maybe that changes a little bit soon. Uh, I've dropped Garrett Cole down quite a bit. Uh, it's, uh, Chris, you still have Corbin Burns as your sixth ranked starting pitcher. So yes, you should be asking yeah, I, for... I'm not really that worried about him. Yeah. Um, I know the spin rate's down, but for the most part, he's still been excellent. Yeah. The, the biggest thing is just that the swinging strike rate has taken a huge dip over his last four starts. So maybe it affects the sh- strikeouts, and obviously that means more balls in play, and more balls in play just means things can happen, obviously. So keep that in mind. But yeah, uh, yeah Corbin Burns still a top 10 starting pitcher, despite the swinging strike rate being down. Casey Mize, he was at the Texas Rangers on Wednesday. Four innings, two runs, two strikeouts. Pretty Mad game overall. Spin rates and velocity both way, way down in the start. I don't I didn't see that he came away from this with anything wrong with him, but no. Velocity was no, down. It was just a pitch limitation, I think. Yeah. The velocity was down between one and a half and three miles per hour on all of his pitches. And speaking of those pitches, Casey Myers has now averaged fifty-three pitches per start over his last two. So I think we're starting to see some of those limitations that the Tigers hinted at earlier in the season. He's still 82% rostered, Chris. Casey Mize can be dropped in blank size leagues. 12-team Roto. Okay, so... I think he's... There are things to like about Casey Mize moving forward. There have been things to like about him this season, but the underlying numbers have not backed up his performance pretty much all season. He still doesn't get very many strikeouts. I think you probably missed your opportunity to sell high on him. Um, but if somebody still thinks he has value, I would be looking to, to get something for him because, yeah, uh, I think he's droppable. Yeah, look, if people are not paying attention to what's happening right now and obviously what we've talked about all season with Casey Mize, he still has a 3.59 ERA. So if someone sees that and they're willing to give you some yeah. kind of value for him in a trade, then, yeah, you don't have to drop him. You know, turn, turn him around for something. But... Yeah, I mean, this is obviously going to severely affect his fantasy value moving forward with these limitations. This one's more of a multiple-choice question, Chris, but Jared Walsh had a double dong. He's now up to 22 home runs. Both of those home runs came off of lefties. One was Eduardo Rodriguez. uh, And entering today, Jared Walsh had a 528 OPS against lefties this season. So that was part of the reason that recently, I don't know if you've been on any of the podcasts where I brought it up, Chris, but I've been talking Jared Walsh up as a sell-high candidate. And he just completely continues to make me look ridiculous because hits a grand slam off of a Roldis Chapman. He's doing this. He's still hitting uh, a Anyone can hit a grand slam off a Roldis Chapman at this point. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, the ground balls and strikeouts have been up. So that's part of the reason why um, I, I viewed Jared Walsh as a sell-high candidate. So for you, the question is, Jared Walsh is a buy, sell, or hold candidate rest of season. I think he's definitely sell. He had, at least coming into this start, I'm not sure about afterwards, he had the highest gap between his expected WOBA and his exp- and his actual WOBA this season uh, among qualified hitters. And that's not to say he's been bad. It's just that, you know, he has a 341 expected WOBA and he's got like a 375 or something actual WOBA. And that's that's a gap that at some point I think is going to narrow. I think he's a good hitter, but I don't think he's going to keep slugging 571. I think he's probably maybe 100 points over his head on that. I think he's probably more like a 260 hitter. 
And so, yeah, I think if you can sell high for him, you know, there, there's, I think he's still a top 12 starting uh, first baseman, but if somebody views him as more than that, uh, take advantage of that. So I was going to save this for later on, but let's talk about it now. I guess we can compare these two. And someone I think is a buy high candidate is Te- Teoscar Hernandez because, and I brought this up, I think a month or two ago that even then I thought he was a buy high candidate and he, he just kind of continues to perform. He went three for five on Wednesday. He's batting 297 and that super high line drive approach that he had from last year has carried over. He's got a near 30% line drive rate. He would mm-hmm. rank third among qualified hitters. Uh, actually, he does. He, he is qualified. So he ranks third in that category. Line drive rate for Teoscar Hernandez. Strikeouts are down. Career best 25% strikeout rate. Chris, if you can turn Jared Walsh into Teoscar Hernandez, is that something you would do or would you try and shoot higher if you have Jared Walsh? I mean, the most impressive thing about it is the way he's... One dramatically increased his swing rate on pitches inside of the strike zone without increasing his chase rate, which is, you know, pretty tough to do. That requires actually improving your plate discipline. That's not just being more aggressive. And he's dramatically lowered his whiff rate. It's down from 35% to 31.5% this season. And he's done it without necessarily having to uh, sacrifice some of the quality of contact skills that you know, made were, were so standout last season. He's not quite where he was last season, but, you know, if you can cut your strikeout rate from 30 to, to 25%, you can get away with that. And so, yeah, his ex-WOBE is actually a little higher than his WOBE. I think there, there, there could be some room for, um, you know, him to get even better moving forward, which is, that's saying something. He's been pretty good. I think we're, we're all taking an L on that one. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. I mean, a lot of the Blue Jays that I specifically talked down as bus coming, more so overvalued coming into the season. Teoscar Hernandez, Bo Bichette, ridiculous. Marcus Simeon, the same. They've all made me look completely foolish, uh, so I will admit that. I mean, that team's got a lot of guys hitting like their 90th percentile right now. So, you know, if you're playing, if you're into futures bets, you know, taking the under on second half wins may not be a bad idea. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think it, but, all, you know. it all starts and ends with Vlad Jr., right? So, like, the fact that Vlad is performing at this kind of historic pace, it's helped everybody in that lineup because, yeah. you know, just keep things chugging along. And obviously, Marcus Semien, too. It's just, he's been ridiculous as well. But, um, you know, honestly, looking at the overall numbers right now for Teoscar Hernandez, they still don't look that impressive. 291 batting average, 11 home runs. You might be able to sell Jared Walsh for Teoscar Hernandez plus another piece. So... Teoscar is someone that I do like as a buy-high candidate right now. Um, Would love to do that, yeah. Yeah. Let's move on from uh, Jared Walsh here, sell-high candidate. Thank you for confirming that, Chris. Let's check in on Wander Franco. 231 batting average at this point in the season, 9% walk rate, 16% strikeout rate. He is hitting a good amount of line drives. He has a 7% swinging strike rate. Mind you, he's, what, 20 years old? That 7% swinging strike rate would rank 19th among qualified hitters this season. So we don't normally see prospects like this, and that's part of the allure for Wander Franco. So I feel blank about Wander Franco. Pretty good. Pretty, Pretty good. good. He's been largely as advertised. He's not chasing hardly at all. 21% chase rate, 74% zone swing rate. He's making a lot of contact. Has just an 18% whiff rate. League average is 25%. So... 
you know, I think there's a, a lot of good going on and he's got a 44% hard hit rate, which is pretty good as well. It's, you know, a little above league average. And so, you know, I think you look at all the component parts and it's, it's largely what we expected. I do wonder, um, you know, I want to take a look at his splits and see if he's been, yeah, he's been really bad against right-handed pitching. 346 OPS heading into today compared to an 1144 versus lefties. And if you look at his spray chart, it's a lot of stuff to the left of the field. You know, I'm not sure necessarily what to make of that. It, you know, we've seen like Ozzy Albies, I don't want to say struggle, but maybe be a little bit disappointing at times because he was, you know, much better against lefties than righties. I don't know if it's, the same thing for Wander Franco. It certainly wasn't in 2019 when he had a 921 OPS against righties. So we're still so early on that a lot can change. But I think generally speaking, the early returns on Wander Franco are much more promising than they were for Jared Kalanick, let's say. Wander Franco this season in the minors as well was batting over 300 against both-handed pitching, had a 900 OPS or better against both-handed pitching. So... I'm with you. I, I I feel fine about Wander Franco right now. And if someone in your league is like, oh man, just another rookie who stinks, go out and try and acquire him in redraft leagues. Hyunjin Ryu, someone who has, you know, we had some concerns heading into the start because uh, he had just a 7% swinging strike rate over his previous six starts entering Wednesday. Goes out against the Orioles, five innings, one run, seven strikeouts. It's actually pretty impressive because the Orioles are awesome against left-handed pitching this year. Uh, 14 swinging strikes in this one on 86 pitches. That's a 16% swinging strike rate for Ryu. So nice little bounce back here. Chris, Hyunjin Ryu is a top blank starting pitcher rest of season. Gosh, I think I still have him in like the 30-ish range. You know, one thing that he did a lot in this start, he threw his fastball a lot, 49% of the time. You know, he's throwing his fastball more than he has at any point since, gosh, 2017. And that's still only 33%. So he was very fastball heavy tonight. Um, I don't know if maybe that made the changeup and cutter play up a little better because hitters were seeing it uh, less often. His velocity was up in this start. So I don't know exactly what to make of it, but I I still, I mean, he'd been a sub 2.5 ERA over the previous three seasons that I'm willing to give him that benefit of the doubt. All right, so top 30-ish starting pitcher there for Hyunjin Ryu. I have him at 33, just behind Max Freed, Ian Anderson, Sonny Gray, probably deserves to be in that range again, which I mentioned. I, I can't get him inside my top 30 right now, just because I feel like Robbie Ray still has more upside, Luis Castillo pitching much better, Kyle Hendricks is a lot like Ryu. I I'll say top 35, top 35 starting pitcher for Ryu. Rest of season. Last one here, Chris my favorite chocolate bar is blank. Do you have a favorite? Put you on the spot. So I guess it depends. How are we defining chocolate bar? Is this any bar with a base of chocolate or like like a Hershey's or a crunch, you know? Yeah, I think it's like if it's the former Reese's Fast Break is my favorite. Okay. Yeah, um, that's fine. If it's the latter, there's this brand called Tony's Chocolate Only. Uh, that you, that I always find at Whole Foods, and they've got a milk milk caramel sea salt milk chocolate caramel and sea salt bar that is out of this world. Mm. So good. So 
Those are my two picks. Well, you know I'm all about the sweet and savory, so I've got to. Oh yeah, I love gotta, sweet and savory. Got to jump on that. For me, Reese's Nutrageous, man. It's just like it's not very popular. Kind of just flies under the radar, but it is amazing. Whole bunch of peanuts covered in chocolate. I don't even know what it's loaded up with, but man, it is. Is that nougat or peanut butter in the middle? I think it's. Let's see here. Wow, you could That's buy an a, important distinction for me. You could buy a whole case of these things on Amazon. <laughs> I might get myself in trouble here. Um, all right, it's made with milk chocolate, loaded with crunchy roasted peanuts, oh, it is peanut smooth, butter, smooth rich yeah. caramel. That's what it is. It's caramel. That's that's pretty good. And the famous taste of Reese's peanut butter. I might might have to check that out. That <laughs> Dude, looks pretty good. I'm not like super into peanut butter. I like it here and there, but. Man, that, that thing is ridiculous. The Reese is not Regis. Make sure to go check it out. Before we get to some more of Wednesday's action, we have to tell you about the awesome clothing from Express. Express Confidence, Express You. Express is all new and all about you with a fresh mix of casual, versatile, and super comfortable styles. We've talked about a bunch of their different styles this week, but maybe you just need something to wear for the summer. Maybe you need some jorts. Heading out to the park, a cookout, a baseball game, whatever it is, head to Express. They offer four kinds of shorts with their chinos, performance, drawstring, and denim. There you go, Chris. Specifically for the drawstring shorts, they have this elastic waistband for all-day comfort. And up top, I can't recommend their polo shirts enough. Maybe you're looking for a solid color, but if not, they have these super stylish polos with floral print, whole bunch of flowers all over them. I've got a few myself. And they're, good look. they're super unique because they kind of just feel like you're wearing a t-shirt. You know, some polos, they come with like this rougher material. They're like super heavy, hard to wear in the summertime. That's not the case for the Express polos. They're like, it's just very comfortable. The softest fabrics actually you'll ever feel. The shirts fit just right. Make sure to head on over to express.com. We encourage all of our listeners to be on the lookout for great summer deals in stores and again at their website, express.com. Express confidence, express you. We are going to take a quick break, but when we return, would you rather? We've got some scenarios we'd like to talk about next on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Frank, hold on. Before we start. <laughs> What's up? Did you see John Sterling's home run call today? Oh, no. No, I didn't. I did not see it. I did not hear it. Do you want to play it for the people? Is that possible? I don't even know if we can do that. Uh, I I might be able to play it. Let's see. Oh, I can I can already. I I feel I feel the emails just ringing in. People complaining it's, about John no Sterling. people people who don't like the Yankees will enjoy it. All right, what do we got here? You gotta you gotta. I'm gonna add it to the stream. Let's see if all this right, works. All right, here we go. If you press play, let's see if it if it actually comes through here. Does it? I'm not getting any audio. Ah. Oh. All right, so is this the Aaron, is this the Aaron Judge home run? Throw it in the yeah. private chat. I could play it off my computer. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's great. And Chris is gone, so we're going to figure that out. Play the John Sterling call for the Aaron Judge. His home run on Wednesday was an absolute moon rocket. 434 feet off the bat for Aaron Judge. There he is. He's back. What's up, Chris? I was trying to figure out how to stop sharing my screen, and I backed out <laughs> of the studio entirely. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so if you throw the link in the private chat, I'll figure out a way to play it. It's it's excellent. The people who hate the Yankees will will appreciate this. This is not, you know, Frank being uh, indulgent. All right, so let's see what we got here. Man, the breaking ball is hit in the air to yeah. deep left. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Unfortunately, yeah. that was a replay of the home run. But it was a good replay. <laughs> so they're they're in New York watching the game in the studio and announcing it. Oh man! And yeah. so he didn't realize that it was uh yeah. That's oh funny. my gosh! There was another one recently where someone I forgot who it was. There when they were playing against the Mets, I think it was like Jose Peraza. Like a would be grand slam, but a fan reached over and caught it. I was listening to it on the radio while I was on vacation, and he's just like, Where'd the ball go? He's like, It's high, it's deep. Where'd the ball go? So it's just classic John Sterling. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of got duped too while I was watching the game. I was like, Wait, did Aaron Judge just hit another home run? So it's very easy to fall for it. Would you rather? <laughs> That's what I have in common with, uh, I believe he's 80 years old, 80 years old, John Sterling, still getting it done there. Uh, would you rather Andrew McCutcheon? Or Michael Conforto. Kutch just hit another home run. 79% rostered. So might be out there in some 10-team uh, leagues. Last 30 games for McCutcheon. 295 batting average. 7 homers. 25 RBI. Michael Conforto just 3 for 38 since coming off of the IL. Would you rather McCutcheon or Conforto? I still think I would have to go Conforto. I still think he's a good by-low candidate. Um and I, I think the underlying numbers, while they're not quite as good as they were last season, they're still much better than what he's done. And actually, that is true of McCutcheon as well. His underlying numbers, um, you know, especially, you know, X Wobus 366, Wobus 344. The problem is he really isn't very good against righties anymore. Um, he has been much six, better. Uh, Scott has pointed this out. He, I don't know yeah. how to look at splits within months, but he figured out a way to do it. And, since June, where McCutcheon has really taken off, he's also been much better against right-handed pitching. I think okay. it's like a near 900 OPS since the start of June. That would be worthwhile if he could keep doing that. And, you know, that, like his BABIP against righties is really low for the season, but it's still a 670 OPS, still like a 160 slug. So it's like a very OBP-heavy uh, success against righties, at least, you know, when he has had it overall. So I would still go with Conforto, but I know that probably doesn't feel well, right? Feel good right now, knowing how much Conforto struggled. Yeah, I, I like buying Conforto on the super cheap. I think you can get him for next to nothing right now, and just yeah. stash him on your bench until he figures it out. I, I believe Conforto's in a contract year too. I, I can't imagine he's going to continue to be this bad. He's just he's too talented to be this bad, Michael Conforto. But yeah, I would take McCutcheon over him right now. The way that Kutch is playing, the home run that he hit in this game was off of a right-handed pitcher, Alec Mills. So, all right, does it even count? But anyway, uh, I would take McCutcheon the way that he's playing. He's he's red hot. Last 30 games, what I mentioned, that 150-game pace, 35 homers, 125 RBI, 15 steals. The guy is just 
on fire. Jonathan India or Jeff McNeil? Let's stick with the Mets here. Jeff McNeil has multiple hits in three of his last five games. Is coming around a little bit. 79% rostered. So some people have been dropping him. Uh, Jonathan India, another great game. Three for four, walk, double, two RBI, 76% rostered. Chris, would you rather India or McNeil? Man, I would still rather have McNeil, but it's getting really close. Um, India, the fact that he steals uh, a decent amount does help him in that regard. Like he could be a 15 steal guy this season. Whereas, you know, McNeil, you're it's a, it's a batting average play, but I think that skill is stronger than anything that Jonathan India has shown. Um, you know, the underlying statistics don't quite back up what India has done as far as his uh, batting average so far. And so, you know, if he was hitting more like 250, like his uh, XBA suggests, then you're looking at a, sort of middling all-around profile, whereas at least McNeil does have still that that standout skill. I do like the OBP for Jonathan India. He walks quite a bit, leading off for a solid mm-hmm. lineup with the Cincinnati Reds. He's got a lot of run producers behind him uh, in that lineup. Could run a little bit. I think it's close. Basically, you're banking on Jeff McNeil going on this super hot stretch like he always does in the second half of seasons. He's a very slow starter. Yeah. Obviously, has come back from the IL recently. It is close. I think I would lean with Jonathan India, but it is very close. Another make, one. Yeah, I think that makes sense. With Jeff McNeil, a lot like Conforto, if you can buy him on the super cheap, some people are dropping him. It's something I would look into doing. Uh, this one, this is actually a question that I got asked on Twitter today, and I thought it was interesting. Brendan Rodgers or Willie Adamas in Dynasty, with a caveat there. So Willie Adamas went one for four with his 14th home run, and... If we update those numbers since joining the Brewers, that's 44 games, 289 batting average, nine homers, 30 RBI. That is a 30 home run pace over 150 games for Willie Adamas. Still 67% rostered if you need a shortstop in shallower leagues. We were talking up Brendan Rodgers a ton yesterday, Chris. If you play in Dynasty, would you rather Rodgers or Adamas? Rodgers is younger than Willie Adamas, but it's not like a dramatic difference, right? Rodgers is 24, Adamas is 25. Um, I think it's, I certainly find it pretty surprising that Willie Adamas is only 25. He'll turn 26 in a couple of months. Um, I think I would still go Rogers, but Adamas has certainly made it closer and I really do buy what he's doing. I think, you know, looking ahead, I, I think he could be a top 12 shortstop, you know, for, for dynasty purposes. I, I really do think that um, I'll give Rogers the edge because one, I don't think we've seen the impact of course field on his numbers yet. You know, you look at his expected numbers, they actually mostly mesh with what he's done, which usually you would expect to see much, much better numbers at course field than their expected numbers. So yeah, 736 OPS at home. I think that's probably going to be more like 900 <laughs> moving forward. Um, so I'll go with Rogers, but it's, it's much closer than I would have thought of. All right, let's quickly hit two more of these. Would you rather's the first one I have a pair of Marlins, Jesus Sanchez or Garrett Cooper in a five outfielder league. They both had solid games, actually pretty good games on Wednesday. Garrett Cooper three for three with a double dong and Jesus Sanchez went two for four with his third home run of the season. 434 feet was that home run for him. Um, They are both available in over 60% of CBS leagues, Chris. So Sanchez or Cooper in a five outfielder league. I think it's got to be Sanchez. Um, just a, a much more exciting skill set, a much more interesting profile. Um, and just like 
he is so, so talented or so so physically gifted. I don't know what the right way to put it is because he's one of those guys who doesn't quite put it all into action in games. But man, when he gets a hold of one, he he crushes it. He's got a lightning quick bat. And so I just think Cooper in a five outfield, 12 team league, it's like you're hoping you can get a couple good weeks out of him before you have to find someone else. Whereas Sanchez, if he figures it out, uh, could be really good. Yeah, if he finds that level of consistency, because you're right, Chris, you see it. And just watching him play, I watch him a lot. I've mentioned this before. I have him in Scott White's Dynasty League, so I'm obviously rooting for Jesus Sanchez. Mm -hmm. I watch a lot of his at-bats. The kid has swag. He has confidence at the plate, which is really interesting for a young player who got demoted last year who was like absolutely awful, right? So when he connects, he still hits a lot of ground balls. When he connects, the ball can go a long way. Strikes out quite a bit. I want to see him walk more, but... Definitely an interesting profile there for Jesus Sanchez. Last one here. If you're in a deeper league and you need a middle infielder, Elvis Andrus, his last 32 games, kind of under the radar here. 278 batting average, two homers, five steals. He has a 33% line drive rate during that stretch. And then Jace Peterson, who hit a home run off of Jacob deGrom on Wednesday. His last 15 games, Jace Peterson, 410 batting average, two homers, two steals. Deeper leagues, Elvis Andrus or Jace Peterson. I think it's probably got to be Andrus, which is it's a, been a long time since somebody said that. <laughs> Neither of them has a ton of up, uh, potential, but Andrus, I think, is a better bet for stolen bases, at least. All right. We had a bunch of dingers on Wednesday. Let's just quickly go over some of these. Joey Gallo, man. Oh, my gosh. Double dong. He hit 900-plus feet worth of home runs in this game. He now has 23 home runs total, 10 home runs over his last... 10 games. You're How many swings at, at a batting cage? I'm not even talking off a major league pitcher. Just someone tossing like we go out to city field next week. I'm just tossing you BP. How many swings do you think you need to get 900 feet worth of batted balls? At least 10. I'm thinking that. Yeah. Cause there's going to be some that you just swing and miss at. Oh Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be some that you just foul off. Yeah. Man. Joey Gallo, better at hitting baseballs than Frank Stample. Yeah, who would have thought, man? It's crazy. Ronald Acuna <laughs> went three for five with his 24th home run. Bo Bichette, three for five with his 16th home run of the season. Batting average, now up to 295 for Bo Bichette. His last 32 games since the start of June, a 346 batting average for Bo Bichette during that stretch. Juan Soto has a home run in back-to-back games. Uh, He's now up to 11. He had a three-run shot off of Chris Paddock. Seems like anyone can do that nowadays. Aaron Judge hit his 20th home run, which we played for you earlier. Uh, Poor John Sterling. His last 15 games for Judge, 310 batting average with five homers. So he is heating back up. Matt Olson hit his 21st. Jose Altuve hit his 19th. Kyle Tucker hit his 14th. Franmil Reyes hit his 13th. Lastly, two players that are bouncing back. Justin Turner hit his 14th home run. Uh, He's batting 396 over his last 15 games. Jesus Aguilar went two for four with a double and his 14th home run of the season. Nice to see Jesus Aguilar. Walk off. Yeah. Three run walk off dinga for Jesus Aguilar. There was a bunch of other stuff here, some leftovers, anything else that is imperative to get to. Michael Waka was really good. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes. So he's not a must add. Maybe if you play in a deeper league, you want to take a shot on him, but 
throw him on the scout team. Let's see what happens with Michael Waka. Anything else? Lance Lynn, great again. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts. He's good. Luis Arias hit two home runs across the doubleheader. He's only 48% rostered. One of those came off of Jacob deGrom. We've talked a lot about the Brewers guys recently, so he's still floating around there in a ton of leagues. Uh, Luis Arias. Yeah, that was off like a 99-mile-per-hour elevated fastball, too. That was an impressive swing. For sure. Zach Wheeler uh, had a... A pretty rough start against the Cubs. Five and two-thirds, eight hits, seven runs. Four of those were earned. The dreaded Phillies defense behind him uh, continued to let him down. He allowed four hard-hit balls in this game, and he had a 400 BABIP against. Not worried. Not worried at all in the slightest. Sometimes you sometimes just run into one like that. Like that's that that just happens. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates for the Reds. Heath Hembury got his fourth save of the season. Mentioned yesterday, I don't want to met I don't want to mess with the Cincinnati Reds bullpen, but if you do, Heath Hembry, I mm. guess. For the Tigers, Gregory Soto pitched two innings for his seventh save. Jose Cisnero was used in the seventh inning. For the Royals, the last two saves have gone to Scott Barlow. Spoke about that over the weekend. Starting to gain some confidence in him. Then he's used in the seventh inning on Wednesday with a two-run lead. He promptly allows three runs to score. So... There you go. Kansas City Royals. It's been a mess all season. A lot like the Cincinnati Reds. For the Brewers, Josh Hader had his first blown save of the season. He allowed a solo shot to Jose Peraza. Rysel Iglesias got his 18th save for the Marlins. Yimi Garcia was used in three of the last four days. So Anthony Bender, who's been really, really good this season. If (laughs) Garcia continues to struggle or if he's traded away, whatever, I think Bender probably gets a shot to be the closer for the Marlins. He gave up up a a game-tying home run to Zach McKintree, so... Do with that what you will. Uh, and then for the Astros, Ryan Presley got his 16th save. And I just saw in the Giants game, Jake McGee got his 17th save of the season. Uh, Tyler Rogers was used in the 8th. Hold on a second. The Yankees game just went final, Chris. They won in a one-run game. Who do you think got the save for the Yankees? I haven't pulled up the box score yet. Who do you think it was? Was it Chapman? I'm going to say it was Chapman. No. I don't think it was. Let's it was see. Chad Green. Chad Green for the Two New York Yankees. A role this Chapman. Domingo did. Armand pitched in Domingo Armand pitched in, in the bullpen today. Yeah, so he so he had the procedure done, the root canal. I was watching the game, obviously. And then uh so he arrived late to the stadium after getting root canal, and then he came in in relief, which is like, why would you pitch the same day that you have a root canal? Like, I don't know, just take a couple of days off, man. Figure it out. So <laughs> he tried to tough it out, but whatever. Uh, yeah, he pitched in relief. No Aroldis Chapman in this game, given all of his struggles recently. I think it's a 15 ERA since the start of June. Not used at all in this game. Chad Green picks up his third save of the season. Someone you probably should look into adding if you play in categories leagues. Chris, what do you think about handcuffing Aroldis Chapman with Chad Green? I think it's worth... Uh you know, taking a flyer on Chad Green. He's a, a very good reliever. And, you know, I, I don't expect the Yankees to move away from Aroldis Chapman if he can figure it out. I, I think their strong preference would be to keep him there. But, you know, if he can't figure it out, then it's not really going to come down to choice. So, you know, Chad Green certainly got an opportunity. Chad Green is 22% rostered on CBS right now. To stream or not to stream for Thursday, JT Brubaker at the Mets, Adbert Alzali versus the Phillies, Adrian Hauser versus the Reds, Jay Happ versus the Tigers, Chichi Gonzalez at the Diamondbacks, and Jake Faria, former Tampa Bay Ray. That's right, he's back. Versus the Rockies. Uh, you only have to choose one, Chris, because they're bad. 
Alzheimer's. <laughs> He's the only one. I think Scott said JT Brubaker yesterday. Yeah, so. I could see Brubaker, but Alzheimer's is the only one I would have any confidence in. All right, so between Scott and Chris, you get two. Brubaker and Adbert Alzheimer's. For Friday, Alex Cobb, man, what a guy. He's at the Seattle Mariners. Jordan Lyles versus the A's. Cole Irvin at the Rangers. Zach Thompson versus the Braves. Shane McClanahan. How is he still under 70% rostered? I don't understand. He's going up against the Blue Jays and Brad Keller at Cleveland. I mean, you don't love the matchup against the Blue Jays, and I wouldn't blame people if they didn't want to stream McClanahan. No, but no, just add him. Pick him up anyway. Don't start him in the start. Don't start him against him. the Blue Jays. Yes. yes. Thompson, kind of the same thing, not nearly to the same level, but you know, I'd be a little wary of starting him against the Braves. But given what he's shown, you know, if you do need a starting pitcher for for Friday, you know, I I like him, and then yeah, Alex Cobb against uh, against the Mariners must start. I like superstar. I like Cole Irvin at Texas. You know, Chris, the last time you did this with one of these these streamers, it was John Gant, and we all saw how that ended. So I'll just throw it out there. It's gonna Alex Cobb's gonna be great. <laughs> All right, I hope so. Some Apple Podcast review questions. We do appreciate everyone who leaves a five-star review on Apple. You drop a question in a review, we will answer it on a future podcast. This one is from T. Mar. In a points league, I have had the Yerminator. This must have been a while ago. I'm sorry, buddy. Your me Mercedes as my catcher. Who do you prefer to replace him with? Omar Narvaez? Omar Narvaez. Okay. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah, just Omar Narvaez. Narvaez ahead of McCann, Zanino, and Tyler Stevenson. This next one's from Zopilo. Grade the trade. Received Shane Bieber, traded away Chris Bassett, and Giovanni Gallegos. Am I missing something? Well, we don't, we still don't have a timetable for Shane Bieber. Yeah, but, you know, like, Bassett's fine. I think he's pretty good, but... Yeah, you take the the chance that Bieber fit, you know gets healthy and and pitches like himself because Bassett can be a good pitcher, but Shane Bieber can be the kind of guy who leads you to a championship if you can get him for that cheap. All right, so take that advice. Something you should be looking into doing in your leagues. Uh, some emails: fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I from Zachary was hoping you could grade the trade for me in this keeper league. Chris, this is a loaded trade, so get ready. Eloy Jimenez. Kyle Tucker, and Lucas Giolito for Corbin Burns, Carlos Rodon, Alex Bregman. I think it's like a C minus. I don't love it for your side just because as much as I do like Burns and Rodon in redraft, I mean, Burns is a top six pitcher for me. Rodon is a top 20 uh, and Bregman's awesome. You're talking about two pitchers who have had, you know, Corbin Burns has had about 120 really good innings and Rodon's had about 80 right now. So not a lot of track record there. Um, whereas you know, you're giving up what I think is a better pitcher long-term and two young stud hitters. So I, I don't love it in a dynasty. I would always dynasty or keeper league. I would always rather be the team getting two young stud hitters rather than two young stud pitchers. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's. I think this is close to a fair trade. It's fair. Yeah, I, I, I think Giolito versus Burns is actually really close in a keeper league. I think uh, sure. moving forward, but yeah, for the reasons you, I, I think I would probably prefer to to have kept that side. So C, 
maybe C minus. I think you're I think you're right on there, Chris. Uh, from Justin, Michael Conforto was just dropped in my league. Would you drop Alex Kirilov, JT Brubaker, or Nick Pavetta, or leave him on free agency? I have a really good pitching staff, but need outfielders. I'd be fine dropping any of the three, but my preference would probably be to drop Brubaker. I'm all right dropping him or Pavetta. Yeah, either one. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to get more wins with Pavetta. So yeah, drop drop uh, JT Brubaker. Last question here. This one's from Patrick. Was wanting to see what you guys think long-term. The long-term value of Trevor Rogers is in a keeper or dynasty league. So uh, with a potential innings limit starting sooner rather than later, uh, wanting to see what that outlook is. Should we look to trade him soon if you are a contender or is he a long-term building block? So this is interesting because we talk about it a lot from redraft where Rodgers and Rodon, maybe Julio Arias, Freddie Peralta, these are all names that we keep bringing up that might have an innings limit at some point. But this is asking about a keeper or dynasty league, Chris. So it's a little bit tougher. If you are playing for this year, would you look into trying to maximize Trevor Rogers' value. However, well, he could be a building block for years to come in that format, in a keeper or dynasty league. We don't have to uh, play hypotheticals with that one. I have traded <laughs> Trevor Rogers to in me! a keeper league, and you have acquired Trevor Rogers in a keeper league. And um, look, he's a young pitcher who's never shown he can pitch at this level for a full season. And so... You know, I have questions about how the velocity holds up because, you know, he's been clearly much better since he had that velocity spike at the start of this season. Does that hold up? I don't know yet. I hope so. I'd like to think it will. He's top 10, I believe, in ERA and FIP this season. He's been really good. But as far as Dynasty, I, like, I, I think he's a sell-high candidate because he's a pitcher and he's a young pitcher and he's a young pitcher who's never done it for a full season. And even in the minors, I don't know if he's ever thrown uh, more than like 140 innings. I want to say it's his career high. Yeah, 136. So like, I have real questions about what the long term is going to look like for Trevor ba- or Trevor Rogers. And I mean, just as a general rule, there is no long term for young pitchers. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you can't think like you can't look at Trevor Rogers and say. I feel confident that I'm going to get something from him in 2024. You just can't. There's too much that can go wrong. You hope he does it, but right now, I think he's a sell-high candidate as much as I do like him. Look, he's awesome. There's no doubt about that. He's allowed three runs or less in every start this season for Trevor Rogers. <laughs> and I think if you are competing this season, much like Chris is in the Scott White Dynasty League where he traded him to me, you should look to sell high. Try to get a nice return for him. And I gave Chris Jose Barrios and Lourdes Gurriel, like, you know, th- especially in a 24 team league, like, that's a pretty damn good return. I think I also gave you Drew Smiley, but uh, it's just super hard to find pitching in that league. And, you know, there are, there are uh, salary cap values in play here as well. But, yeah. like, yeah, if you can turn Trevor Rogers into another top 25 starting pitcher like Jose Barrios, who you don't have concerns about with the innings rest of season, and a top 35-ish outfielder, then I think that that's a pretty good return. Maybe you can even try for a little bit higher than that. But uh, yeah, especially given his age and what he's done this season, I I think you should ask for a good amount in return for Trevor Rogers. We're going to wrap there for Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. 
Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we'd go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.